Well, we're starting a new series today, and I'm excited about this series because it's kind of my pet topic, if you will. If I could only preach one thing to the body of Christ, this would probably be it. And it's about the Great Commission, fulfilling the Great Commission, and which requires the supernatural empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If we're going to be what God's called us to be, we have to have the tangible, manifest, ever-presence of the Holy Spirit abiding with us and in us in his residency, but also in presidency. So, we're starting a new series today, and I'm believing that it's going to equip you, put tools on your belt to help you be something that you're called to be. And uh, because I know Christianity is not about doing, it's about being. Isn't that right? So, you've probably heard the apocryphal story of at this really successful, famous zoo, and their main attraction was the gorilla. And the gorilla died. And so people, they were afraid that people would quit coming by the droves, and it was like three months out before they could get a new gorilla. So they thought, okay, we got to come up with an idea. So they hired a guy to dress in a gorilla suit who was extremely acrobatic and a great actor. And as it turned out, more people started coming than with the real gorilla. So they're like, well, hey, we don't need to spend money on a new gorilla now. Let's just keep paying this guy. And so this guy, I mean, he was very dramatic. And one day he was, you know, doing swinging and doing flips and stuff. And people were hooing and ah, and, and his hands got sweaty and and as he was swinging his hand slipped and he fell right into the lion's cage and the lion started coming towards him and he was like man i got this if i get this gorilla head off he'll know i'm a human and maybe he won't eat me and so, but the zipper was stuck so he tried to get the side zipper down and that zipper was stuck so the lion's getting closer and so finally he just in fear he's he cries out he goes mr gorilla I'm a man, don't eat me. And the gorilla, I mean, the lion said, Shut up, fool, we're both gonna lose our jobs. <laughs> Something that I'm seeing in the body of Christ today is that many of us pretend to be something we really never intend to be. Lots of testifonies. Lots of test a lion instead of testifying. Got a scripture in their bio, but posing in their underwear doesn't make sense to me. Somebody said, told me the other day, say, you're just old. I'm like, or maybe I'm holy. Like the Sunday school teacher. She had given her Sunday school class the lesson on how in Antioch they were first called Christians. And so the superintendent of the Sunday school came to her class and she wanted to impress them. And so she said to her class, now class, why do they call me a Christian? And little Johnny spoke up. He says, because they don't know you like we do. (laughs) So if you want to fellowship with the average Christian nowadays, you got to backslide to do it. I'm sorry, I'm going a little old school on y'all today. This is just my introduction. 
We are to witness for Christ, right? How do we do that? With our life and with our lips. And if you just do it with your life without your lip, it's heresy. And if you do it with your lip and not your life, it's hypocrisy. We have to do it with our life and our lip because that's honesty. And that's how we're to be a witness. That's what I want to talk to you about today. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Verse 8 and 9. Jesus is talking here and he says, But you shall receive power. When? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and... You know, from 1983, the conjunction, junction, what's your function? Saturday morning, remember that? What does a conjunction do? It adds, it connects things, right? Like a train car, it connects things. And and you shall be witnesses unto me. Where? In Jerusalem. It's in Mobile, your neighborhood, and all Judea. We even going to pray for Sarah Land and Satsuma and Pritchard and Bile Battery and Fairhope and Daphne and, and Samaria. That's the people who live around you that are not like you, even them. And to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. He was still there, but they just couldn't see him. The word witness in the Greek is an interesting word. It's martyreo. It's where we get the English word martyr. And a martyr is someone who so passionately and genuinely and authentically believes something that they're willing to die for it. Now, it's not saying that if you are a witness for Christ and you're going to be a martyr. No, but you're willing to be because I'm not going back. It's too late for me. I've already tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And you believe it so deeply and profoundly that nothing can shake you off of it. Even if somebody asks you a question that you don't have the answer to, or even if you, they ask a question, you're like, man, that's a good question. I don't know. But I'll tell you what I do know. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was miserable, and now I'm not. I was mean, and now I'm nice. I was sick, and now I'm healed. I was depressed, and now I'm happy. You tell your testimony what God has done for you. Has he done anything for you today? Has he changed your life today? Are you, you know, I know life can be a challenge, but can you imagine facing those challenges without the reality of Christ in your life? We can do all things through Christ that strengthens us, can't we? So, let me ask you a question. You ready? All right. If every Christian lived like you, what kind of Christian would every Christian be? If every Christian lived like me, what kind of Christian would every Christian be? So... It's kind of like if you're driving a car that's inconsistent with the way you dress, which it doesn't matter, but I'm just throwing out an idea for you. 
You ever, you ever seen somebody, ever seen a couple together and you look at them and you're like, they don't look like they go together. <laughs> or have you ever seen that guy? That's something that men say. We go, oh, but he's that guy. So what does that guy mean? How, how did that guy get that girl? <laughs> he must have money. <laughs> or she must be stupid. <laughs> something isn't adding up, you know what I'm saying? Is the inconsistency there. So is the way that we live consistent with what we claim to believe? Does it add up? Can I, can I give you some? You're supposed, we're supposed to put on Christ, right? Put on Christ. So let me just ask a couple questions. I feel the anointing to meddle this morning a little bit. So here's some things that sometimes they don't add up. If it doesn't add up, you can just say, when after I, I give you an example, you can say, it doesn't add up. All right. or, or how about uh, if a police officer pulled somebody over and gave them a ticket because they weren't driving according to the specifications that they agreed to drive according to when they went and got their license, right? Everybody say it with me. Say, give them a ticket. All right. So if you call it on God but call in 900 numbers, give them a ticket. Living for Jesus, but living together. Ooh, got quiet there. Christ and crack. Quoting scriptures, but dropping the F-bomb. Committed to Christ, but cussing out your husband. Worshiping Jesus and smoking weed. Blessing God but beating your wife. Spreading the gospel and spreading gossip. The sign of the cross and the zodiac sign. Ooh, y'all got not quite as strong on that one. Some of you are like, I checked my horoscope before I came to church this morning. Well, you know, the root word of horoscope is hora. So... We look to the Word and the Spirit. We don't look to the stars. We look to the one who made the stars. Somebody kept asking me the other day. They said, well, when's your birthday? Pardon me? Well, you said that this happened to you. When's your birthday? I said, which one? She said, what? I'm like, you trying to figure out if I'm a Leo or a... She said, "Mm mm-hmm, you sound to me like you're... I don't remember what those things are, but... I said, oh, I know, I know what I am. My sign is the cross. I was born again. I was raised from the dead on the third day, just like my king. Amen. So Acts 1.8, he says, you're going to receive power to be a witness. God has empowered us so he can employ us to evangelize everywhere. But first, church, we have to live a life that's consistent with the testimony that we claim to have. Kenny told me a joke back in the office this minute ago. I thought, ah, that might fit in with my message today. There was this guy, he'd come into the bar, and he'd order three drinks. And so finally, and he'd drink them all, and he'd kind of talk to himself. And finally, the bartender said, hey, man, every, every week you come in, you drink three, you order three drinks. He said, yeah, uh, I got two brothers, and, and so we used to all, on Tuesdays, we'd go drink together. But since we all moved different directions, we said, every Tuesday at 7, we're going to all... Sit down, we're going we're gonna, 
we're still going to drink together, so we get a drink that represents each other. Okay. A couple weeks later, he came in, he only ordered two drinks. The bartender came over and said, man, I'm so sorry. He said, why? He goes, well, my condolences. I see you're only drinking two drinks today. One of your brothers must have passed away. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. That's not what happened. He said, I joined the church down the road, and I quit drinking. I got four, four points today. Number one, the priority of being a witness. The priority of being a witness. How I many know, like it or not, somebody's always watching. And this doesn't mean that you are going to have to live a perfect life, but live a sincere life. So not if, but when you mess up, you take responsibility and you repent. Even if you have to repent to people also. And whether they forgive you or not, it's inconsequential compared to whether he's going to forgive you because we know that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If, how many say if? Yes. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just. Now that's not where you think, oh, well, good, I can just do as much as I want to if I just keep confessing it. That's not how, that's called lasciviousness. That's the fancy word for um, you messing up bad. Because you're going to get stuck in a rut. And you know what a rut is, right? It's a grave with both ends kicked out. One day they're going to throw some dirt over on you and bury you in that rut because you refuse to get out of it. But the priority of being a witness, Jesus said, or, or there it says in Acts 1 and verse 6, it says, Therefore, when they came together, this is the disciples, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time, everybody say this time, Restore the kingdom to Israel. And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But, but, there's that conjunction again, right? But you shall receive power. In other words, he's saying, All right, let me tell you, it's not for you to know, but, but, when you say but, that means. Forget everything I just said. This is what I really mean. He's saying, it's not for you to know the times and seasons as Father. It's in his authority. But let me tell you what needs to be on your mind. Let me tell you what your priority needs to be. Not about when the kingdom will be restored. But something that's more important than that is your priority, number one priority, is to be a witness unto me. That's your priority. Now, Week after next, Sunday after next, I'm going to throw you an eschatology bone. So if you're into end times and that sort of thing, I'm going to just throw a little seed out there for you to think about regarding the end times. And I'm convinced we are in the end times. Amen. And I'll tell you why I believe that next, well, Sunday after next. But something that's more important than whether or not we're in the end times, and I believe we are, what should we be doing in the end times. Because whether it's the last days or not, I got news for you. It's your last days. And in your last days, you're to be a witness. So is your life, first of all, congruent with the testimony of Christ? And then second of all, are you making it a priority to tell people about Christ with lip and life to invite people to church? Say, well, why would I want to do that? Because they're going to hell. And if you let them go to hell, their blood will be on your hands. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in this series, too. Say, oh, I'm glad you told me. I might not come to church. 
Now, trust me, this is our priority. This is why this church exists, is to fulfill the Great Commission in our city and around the world. And it's going to take supernatural power to do that. And we have to make it our priority if we're going to do that. You shall be witnesses to me. And then he lists the four places or in the four circles where we're to be a witness. Some of you are like, oh, that's what four circles means. So is being a witness your first response or is it your last resort? Let it be our first response. Because is there anything better than going to heaven? Yes. There is one thing. Taking somebody with you. So there's a story of a lady. She was a nurse. And she won everybody to Jesus on her floor over a period of time. And so the pastor wanted to interview her. Tell me, but you're, what's going on? How this happened? And, and she said, uh, and he said that as a nurse, you led everybody to Christ. And he, she said, oh, no, no, sir, I'm not a nurse. He said, wait a minute. They told me you were a nurse. You led everybody on your floor, all the other nurses, to Jesus. She goes, no, 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 I'm, I'm not a nurse. I'm a witness cleverly disguised as a nurse. So you're an artist cleverly disguised. Well, as an artist, you're a witness cleverly disguised as an artist. You are a a, a witness cleverly disguised as a real estate agent. You are a witness cleverly disguised as a school teacher. You are a witness cleverly disguised as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. You are a witness cleverly disguised as fill in the blank. Why? Because it's our priority. Everybody say, it's my priority. priority. Say, being a witness witness. is my priority. So let's talk about the power of being a witness. Being a witness requires power. Having that power requires us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke, the writer of the Gospel of Luke and the writer of the book of Acts, mentions being filled with the Spirit eight times. And all eight times we see the result of being filled with the Spirit was a speaking forth, a proclaiming, whether it was prophesying, speaking with new tongues, or preaching. There was always a proclamation that followed the empowerment. The reason that God wants to empower you from on high with his spirit is that so that you can say something, and when you say it, bam, it's got power. It hits people in the heart. That doesn't mean that you have to jump up on a table and yell it at people. You can whisper it to somebody, and it's got power. Because the power is not coming from you, it's coming through you. And that power is the person The third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. He's the one that raised you from the dead, just like he raised Jesus from the dead. So Ephesians 5, 18 tells us how to be filled with the Spirit. And I invite you to turn there in your Bible. If you brought a copy of the Scripture, I have it here in my notes. I'm going to read it to you, and they will put it on the screen. And it says, Ephesians chapter 5, and verse 18, And do not be drunk with wine. 
Whoa, that meddling spirit's coming back on me. I'm going to try to resist it. Do not be drunk with wine. Now, true, it does not say not to drink wine. It just says don't be drunk with it. But how many know that some people, if you give them an inch, they'll drink the whole bottle? Well, I have a glass of wine every night before I go to bed. Okay. My doctor told me to have a glass of red wine every night before I go to bed. Okay. But what they don't tell you is that they say that the bottle's made of glass, so they just drink the whole glass. That's not what the doctor meant. It might help your heart, but it's going to kill your liver. You need both to live. I'm going to keep moving now. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. Otherwise, if you drink too much... Now, some folk don't need to drink at all because you got a problem. You don't even need cough medicine or you're going to fall off the wagon. I'm not kidding. It's why we use grape juice and not real wine here in our communion. Is not because we think wine is of the devil, but some people, if they had that little shot of wine, would fall slap off the wagon. And so we don't want you to fall off the wagon at church, anywhere, but especially at church. So it's not about rules. It's about knowing God and knowing yourself. Like I believe in being a witness. And I, I try to tell people about Jesus everywhere I go. And sometimes I go places on purpose just to, just to go fishing. I'm going to tell people about Jesus. I've been to Mardi Gras and done it here and in New Orleans. I've been to Hollywood and done it. I've been to India and done it. I've done it next door in my neighbor's house. I like, but one place you won't ever see me passing out tracks is at the topless bar. Now, you might could go there. But I don't think it's a good idea for me to go there. No pun intended, it's a booby trap. <laughs> now, I could, I could go just to a bar, and I could be a witness there because the smell and the allure of alcohol doesn't have any power over me. I'm not, that's just something I've never struggled with. Okay. But you know what you struggle with? Stay out of them places. Okay. But, you sh- but do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. You dissipate your life if you go into those places doing those things that you don't need to be doing. Okay. I just can't get off of this, so I'm going to just keep hammering the rock until it breaks. I'm so glad Jesus blessed you with a boat. You're probably not here today, so I'll talk to the camera. I'm so glad Jesus blessed you with a boat. I rejoice with you. But ever since you got your boat, we hadn't seen you in church no more. I pray that you either get back in church or your boat sink. Because I'd rather your boat sink than your life sink. Go, to, go boating on Saturday, man. Was... Oh, that's game day. You need to get your priorities right. Amen. Remember point number one, the priority of being a witness. Well, there aren't very many. My, my church is the golf course. Mm-hmm. You can tell the devil that when you get there. I'm not supposed to be in hell. <laughs> Four. 
And do not be drunk with wine. There's a reason this stuff is in the Bible, y'all, to help us. I'm not trying to preach clothesline religion today. But how many know there's a standard as Christ followers that we are to live up to? I'm not talking about behavior modification either. But if we've called on the name of the Lord and we're saved, if we're saved and you know it, you need to say more than amen. You need to quit cussing. Quit gossiping. I'd rather hear somebody cuss than gossip, by the way, if I had to choose. But be filled with the Spirit. It's a remedy for all that stuff. How are you filled with the Spirit? Speaking. Speaking to one another in psalms and in hymns and in spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always. When do you give thanks? Always. Always. For what? All things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So even if something bad happens, what are we going to do? We're going to thank God for it. Because it didn't happen to you, it happened for you. You might not see how yet, but all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So it didn't happen to you, it happened for you. Now some of you, it happened because of you. And that's why you need to make some of these changes that we're talking about before your ship sinks. But thank God Jesus has a life preserver. But I'd rather be in the boat than live in the water floating around as shark bait on the life preserver. I'd just rather be on dry land if I'm going to tell you. I'd rather be at the resort. In one of them chairs with an umbrella, with a drink with a little umbrella in it. Non-alcoholic. But how do you be filled with the Spirit? Speaking. How can you tell if somebody's filled with the Spirit? What's coming out of their mouth? Selah. Pause and think about it. What's coming out of their mouth will tell you what spirit they are filled with. Like, Brother Hagen, you just tell a story. Uh, Brother Hagen is the man who founded the Bible college I went to, and he's gone home to be with the Lord. But he was preaching in a church, and a lady came up to him afterwards and, because they had, the pastor had had a moral failure, and he ran off with the piano player. And the and, uh, lady was crying, and she goes, oh, I just don't understand, Brother Hagen. He was a born-again, spirit-filled pastor. Brother Hagen said, he wasn't filled with a spirit that day. <laughs> Anybody getting anything out of this? If you're at the gas station, you're filling up the gas tank, how do you know when it's full? When it kicks back out of the mouth of the tank. How do we know when you're full? When the fuel, when the Spirit of God, when the praises of God and the Word of God, it kicks back out of your mouth. When the grateful, when you start expressing gratitude instead of complaining. And when you start expressing thanks and appreciation instead of criticism. And when you start speaking praises instead of profanities. That's how we know. I'm not saying that, that you don't have a struggle. I get it. No perfect people allowed. And that's true. No perfect people allowed. But you ought to be improving. Amen. Yeah. 
Listen, there's the residency of the Spirit, and then there's the presidency of the Spirit. And that's what this verse is talking about. The, when the resi- with the residency of the Spirit, you get Him. But the presidency of the Spirit, He gets you. One, you're converted. The other, you're committed. The residency of the Spirit prepares you for heaven, to live in heaven. But the presidency of the Spirit prepares you and empowers you to live here on earth. That's why some of you are not living an abundant life. That's why your life is a constant struggle. Or as my friend in high school used to say, struggle. Life doesn't have to be a constant struggle. You can live the abundant life. But that's what you have to have the presidency of the Spirit if you're going to live the abundant life. Not just the residency of the Spirit. Residency of the Spirit can be fire insurance, but presidency of the Spirit means you're on fire. And everywhere you go, the fire of the Spirit follows you. With the residency of the Spirit, you get pardoned, but the presidency of the Spirit, you execute God's plan. You're not just a hearer, you're a doer. Because He doesn't just live with you, He's owned you, and He's calling the shots. And you obey him. You're submitted to him and to the right people here on earth you're supposed to be submitted to. Did you know that we're all supposed to be submitted to somebody else? Well, I just submit straight to Jesus. Then you don't know much about spiritual authority. So, wives, you know what I'm about to say? Don't complain about your kids talking back if you're talking back to your husband. Husbands, don't complain about your wife talking back if you're talking back to your boss on the job. Man, i got to get off of this meddling spirit today, but somebody needs it. We're talking about salvation versus discipleship is what we're talking about today. Are you saved or are you a disciple? What's the evidence that not only... Is being a witness your priority, but you have power to be a witness. It's your character, it's your conduct, it's your conversation, and converts. Are you winning anybody to Jesus? Number three, the point of being a witness. What's the point? What's the point? The point. There's the power of being a witness, the priority of being a witness, and the point of being a witness is Jesus said, You shall be witnesses unto me. Is it you shall be witnesses unto me? Or is it you shall be witnesses unto me? So what's the difference? Does it really matter? Okay, is it to please Jesus? Or is it to praise Jesus? Is it to please Jesus or is it to point to Jesus? Why? What's the point of being a witness? Is it to please him or to point to him? Which one is it? Let me ask you this question. Is it a, is it, is it a vase or is it a vase? And I looked it up in the dictionary, and it says you can pronounce it either way. But my wife cleared it up for me. She says, no, 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 ignore that. Let me, listen to me. This is the way it really is. Here's how you tell if it's a vase or a vase. If you bought it at Target, it's a vase. <laughs> if you bought it at Neiman Marcus, it's a vase. <laughs> I didn't know that. Now it's something new. 
but it's not the point of being a witness. Is it to please Jesus or to point to Jesus? It's not either or. It's both and. I'll give you an example. How many of y'all remember Vanna White? That sister got paid $2 million a year to do two things. Number one, to look good. Number two, to point. That describes us being a witness. We're to look like Jesus, and we're to point people to Jesus. When people say, wait a minute, I know you. Wait a minute, you are not this together. You are all jacked up. What happened to you? You look like Jesus, and now point to Jesus. That's being a witness. That's the point of being a witness is to point to Jesus. Look good and point. Look good and point. How many know if you're sick, you don't look good? If you're poor, you don't look good. If you're strung out or addicted, you don't look good. If you're depressed, you don't look good. You got to look like Jesus and point to Jesus. I, I walked into my high school one day, you know. Had my mullet flowing in the wind and had my Bible and my books under my arm. And somebody walked, you know, you know how us guys do, what's up? What's up? What's up? I was telling everybody, what's up? What's up? This guy, he, he said, what's up? I'm like, what's up, man? And he stopped. He goes, hey, <clears throat> hey, man, Cooley, let me ask you a question. I'm like, yeah. He said, all right, man, be honest with me. Are you really always this happy? I said, yep. He said, how? I said, Jesus. So I look good, and then I pointed. You look good, and you point. Right? You look like Jesus, you point to Jesus. What's the point of being a witness? To point to Jesus. Everybody point. So that's the point of being a witness. We want to be pleasing to him. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, how you talk, how you act, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Fourth and final point is the place or the places to be a witness. Well, where should I be a witness? Well, there's four circles, four places that you should be a witness. And not only are these the places we should be a witness, but these four places are the outline of the book of Acts. So, in Acts chapter 1 to chapter 7, they were in Jerusalem. And then in chapter 8 to chapter 12, they were in Judea and Samaria. And in chapter 18 to 28, they were in the uttermost parts of the earth. And so, to be, we're supposed to be a witness in our Jerusalem. I believe that's our workplace, that's our neighborhood, that's our city, that's where you live. So, but this was also where the disciples, before the crucifixion, failed. This was where Peter, remember, he cut off the guy's ear. And then they, when Jesus was being crucified, this little girl says, Hey, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? And he cussed and he cursed and he said, No, I don't even know him. So the, we're to be a witness in the place of our greatest failure. Peter was a cursing, cussing, switchblade-carrying Christian but he ended up being a witness in Jerusalem when, in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell, he stood up and he preached. Calvary's coward became Pentecost's powerhouse. 
So we're to be a witness in the place of our greatest failures. Number two, Judea. That's the place of our greatest conflict. I wish I had time to talk about all these, and we will as the series progresses. But then in Samaria, this is the place of our greatest prejudice. This is people that are not like us. We're supposed to be a witness to them. And then as you grow more like Christ, you realize that we're all made in God's image. And there's only one race. The human race. Victor Frankl, who wrote an amazing little book, he says that there's two races of people. He says there's decent and then there's indecent, which that's probably pretty accurate. The difference is Christ. Then, number four, we're to be a witness in the uttermost parts, and that's the place of your greatest uncertainty. See, they had, you know, Pax Roma, the peace brought by the Roman Empire, and, it, and they were supposed to be a witness in all the world, known and unknown. And they were, they were empowered to be a witness in those places just as much as they were empowered to be a witness to their neighbors that lived next door. So, here's the call to action today. How many of you will accept a challenge that I'm issuing today? And this is a two-edged sword, a two-pronged challenge, if you will. Number one, for your character to match what you claim... That's the character challenge of being a witness. I'm going to live like I believe what I say I believe. That means you might have to repent of some sin. That means you might have to change some relationships. How I many? Not everybody deserves the right to be your friend or to be in your life. Because some toxic people are not going to change just because you hang out with them. You might change. So that's, that's the first part of the challenge. The second part of the challenge is, will you use your life and your lips to share Jesus with somebody tomorrow? And the next day. And the next day. Will you invite somebody to church? Say, after this sermon today, I don't know if I want to bring anybody here today. I won't be so hard on you next week, I promise. I just had a divine agitation on me today. I had to take it out on my kids. Sometimes the Lord will stir up a pastor. Y'all know me, I don't get like this very often. But sometimes we, we need to um, be told to straighten up and fly right by the Holy Spirit, right? And so uh, if, if, if the shoe fits, just put it on and walk. Don't get your feelings all hurt and, you know, well, I'm offended. Well, the Lord's been offended by you. That's why I'm preaching this. Amen. Repent. That's not a bad word. That's, thank God that word's available to us. What does that mean, Lord? That was me, Lord. Forgive me. I'm sorry. I've been, I haven't been doing right. I haven't been being right. Forgive me. And if you'll help me, I will do better. And, he, and he, how many know he will always take that deal? I will help you. In fact, I am the helper. That's my name. But we have to lean into that help. We have to yield to that help. And sometimes it, it looks like this. Because you was in the wrong spot. You got to get out of there. Run like Joseph. Okay. 
Did I ever tell you about the time I used to drive by my old girlfriend's house? I got right with God, and, and, I, and I kept driving by her house. I, I got right with God, and I broke up with her. And, and she didn't understand. She's like, I thought you liked me. I'm like, I do like you. That's why I'm breaking up with you. She didn't understand. I kept driving by her house, hoping I'd get a peek of her. One day, the Holy Spirit, he said, you need to go home a different way, boy. I'm like, ah, this way is quicker. He said, mm-hmm. That way is a detour. You need to go home this way. So I quit driving by her house. Because, you know, you drive by a few times, and then you drive slower and slower. And then next thing you know, you think, well, I'll just pull up in her driveway, see if anybody comes, see if any lights are on. And then next thing you know, you're right back where you used to be. And that ain't a good place. So Holy Spirit said, you need to... You need to let me help you. And how many of letting the Lord help you looks like doing what he said? And sometimes it's not standing in resistance. Sometimes it's running like Joseph. Get out of there. Okay. So the two-pronged challenge today is let your character line up with what you say you believe. And number two is bring somebody to church. When you leave the sanctuary today, the ushers are going to have some invites to give you. And the invite says one of two things. We have two invites. One's a homemade one because we got this punny idea. But one of them just says, I love my church, and I think you will too. And you've probably seen that invite before. The other one says, uh, bring some bunny to church for Easter. So uh, we're going to pass out some of those. But we want to invite you to invite people to church. Not just because Easter's coming. But because it's what we do. It's who we are. We are a witness. Witnessing is not something that we do. It's something that we are. So in conclusion, I'm going to give a twofold altar call today. I'm going to read this verse first. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. First, this is the gospel. And it says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. How many are thankful for that? They buried him. I mean, he was dead. And he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. So the first invitation today is for those who need to allow Jesus to take up residency in your life. Would you bow your heads with me today? And close your eyes. I want to pray for you. If you're watching us online today, I'm including you in this prayer as well, wherever you are. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your sweet convicting power would touch every single person hearing the sound of my voice. And that by your goodness, you would draw them to repentance and that they would allow the Spirit of God to take up residency in their life. If you're here today and you have never ever made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you're watching us online today or in the family venue and you've never ever made Jesus the Lord of your life, he wants to take up residency in your life today. If you say, Pastor When you pray the prayer of salvation, would you please include me in that prayer? Because I need God's Spirit to take up residency in my life. Raise your hand right now, wherever you are, all over this place. God bless you. Anybody else? Come on. There's two. Anybody else? God bless you. Three, four, five. Anybody else? Come on. Raise it until I see you. Excellent. I got you. If you raise your hand or should have raised your hand, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. In fact, our... Harvest Church congregation is going to pray this prayer with you. Say it with me today. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, 
I repent of my sin. Would you forgive me? I believe Jesus died for my sins. And they buried him. But on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Raise me from the dead. Right now. Jesus, you are my Lord. From this day forward, I'm yours. Now, while you still have your heads bowed and your eyes closed, many of you, you've, the Lord's taken up residency in your life, but he has not had the presidency of your life. Today, you need to switch gears because you're not going forward. You've been going back. There's nothing back there for you but death and destruction and depression and addiction darkness. You need to move forward. And the only way you can move forward is if the Holy Spirit has the presidency of your life. He's calling the shots. And in your weakness, you're leaning into Him and you're letting His strength flow through you. Because it's not about what you've done, it's about what Jesus has done. If you're ready to be filled with the Spirit and to receive power, to be a witness and power to live this new life. And I'm just telling you, we all need that. But some of you, you've not been yielding to that presidency and you're ready today to go to the next level. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you as well. God bless you. Yeah. Hands everywhere. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. You can put your hands down. Would everybody in the room just look at me real quick? I want you just to all do your hands like this because if you're receiving a big gift, you put your hands out like this, right? I want to lead you in a prayer. I want you to say this. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, you are my Lord. And you said, anyone who asks, you would give the Holy Spirit. I'm asking you now, fill me with your Spirit. Baptize me in your Spirit. Baptize me with your Spirit. Give me the power I need to be the witness I'm called to be. Holy Spirit. I believe I receive you now and I'm giving you myself. You are the president of my life. From this day forward, you're in charge. I'm listening to you. Help me. I need your help. Empower me. I need your power. I cannot do this without you, but I can do all things. Because you strengthen me. I yield to that strength now. In Jesus' name. Amen. And you just opened the door for the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, He's coming in like a flood. See, well, I don't I don't I don't feel any different. Well, you will. We're not moved by feelings, but you're gonna notice a difference. Because if you give God an inch. He'll take a mile. And then some. I just declare over you, you're never going to be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen.